No one seems to take monkeypox seriously, even though it has been declared an emergency in two big cities. A Nobel Prize winning economist doesn't seem to know much about economics and everything is racist. This is Gene and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you had a great weekend. I did. Well, on a personal level, two things. One, COVID again. COVID again. I expect to have it any day now. Uh, I went up to LA. My daughter has it. The entire family has it right now, except one of my grandsons. So I'm expecting probably this is the new variant that I haven't caught yet. But that's okay. I'm not the only one who catches it, who's caught it multiple times. This, if I if I start coming down with symptoms, that will be literally the third time that I've had COVID. So you can tell right off the... And that's over a span of two and a half years. So you can tell this disease is not going anywhere. I expect to get it. I woke up this morning with a headache, but I figured that was just allergies. So I feel pretty good. You, I sound pretty good. I mean, my daughter sounded like crap. My grandsons who have had it they had 101 fevers again not great absolutely not great they they all feel like crap but my daughter recovered from it pretty quick i she she had it for about four days and then it went away and now the boys seem to be doing better but you know you're still struggling so that's bad so here, let's go over some, let's go, oh, and the second thing, um, I just finished reading a book called The Abolition of Sex, uh, I, Abolition I'm, I'm of Sex, I, I'm looking it up because I can't remember who the uh, author is, there it is, so the author is Kara Dansky, I believe her name is, let's see, yeah, Kara Dansky. And it is a feminine, it's a very interesting book. It's a very short book. It's 126 pages. It's a pretty easy read. Um, it's not, she's not exactly the most exciting writer in the world, but it's a, it's, it's a pretty good book. The problem is, what it is about is the view of transgenderism, the transgender movement. And she calls it a transgender industry. Uh, and how it affects feminists. Now I thought this was going to be an interesting book. I saw it. I saw her interviewed on Fox News. Um, she is a leftist, and she is a radical feminist. Okay, so right off the bat, I thought that would be interesting. That would be an interesting read, and it was an interesting read. Now the good news is she didn't get into her good a good way of organizing her book, as to get conservatives to read the book. Is she? She first off made it very clear that there is systemic misogyny, that she is a leftist, and that she is a radical feminist. She made that very clear. She works for some very extreme, extremely feminist organization, organizations, and she's a lawyer. So she she really did make it very clear in the introduction. This is where she stood. I was good with that. I'd like to hear what she's got to say about transgenderism. And of course, she pretty much had the same thing to say as the Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter writer. And she she went through, the book was very, very, very interesting. Um, I think she conflated a lot 
so she, what she did is she made statements about the realities of the world without actually showing any evidence or using exa- instead of giving statistics she used examples that could have been considered one-offs now one of the examples she used which i thought was kind of interesting i thought was interesting but and it could be true i don't know she but she didn't offer any evidence of it she just offered maybe seven or eight examples of it one of the things she would say she would say is this is destroying the lesbian community now i totally agree with her by the way on everything i agree with her in that this is destroying this is trying to eliminate sex make sex into something it's not and it is hurting communities like lesbians she didn't bring up gay men but i I'll give her a point there because gay men, that's not what the book was about. And she's a feminist and a lot of feminists are, are a lot of lesbians are feminists. So I understand why she didn't bring up gay men though. To be honest with you, gay men don't like transgenderism either. She did say that, but the LGBTQ thing, um, the T and this is what the, something that I really liked that she brought up. The T is an ideology. Transgenderism is an ideology. It's how you feel. It's subjective. Whereas gay and lesbian and bisexual, they are actual realities. For example, a gay man likes, uh, it's a man who likes other men. Gay women are women that like other m- women. These are just their prefer you could call them preferences or whatever you want but that's that's what it is whereas transgenderism is an ideology it's a subjective ideology where i just decide i'm going to be a woman today now one of the things and she rejects the whole entire trans argument she has it in quotes the entire book because she says you can't be trans there's no such thing in the which is what i've said before you cannot become a woman just because you feel like a woman. You cannot become a woman. Whether you have the surgeries or not, there is no physical way, biological, physical, scientific way that a man can become a woman and vice versa. She makes that very clear. And I, I, I liked it. And she also she also um, pointed out to Abigail Schreier's book, and um, what was her book called? Uh, I can't remember what her book's called, but the um, uh, I'm going to have to look it up now. Uh, but uh, she pointed to a- Abigail Schreier's book uh, about um, uh, I-, I never I never can remember the name of this book, and it's kind of an important book. Uh, it's called blah 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 Irreversible Damage. How the Transgender Craze is Seducing Our Daughters. She does point to that book. She doesn't really reference it. I'm sure a lot of her concepts are the same. Now, that's the good part of the book. The book is a very easy read, very short. I read it in a day while I was on the train back and forth to Los Angeles. Not a difficult read. Now, here's where the book loses me. But I did learn something from it. The book loses me when she starts going off into her her spiel about radical feminism. She basically calls transgender the transgender industry an example of systemic misogyny. You lost me. 
now good news is that was the last chapter so i just stopped reading the chapter i was like this is such crap and then she uses an example of systemic misogyny on catcalling so she can't point to where the system is misogynist because the system is not massage i will give her credit she didn't sit back and say that oh hey women earn 70 cents to the dollar that is a complete load of crap it's been debunked. It was debunked by, um, it was debunked by Thomas Sowell back in the eighties. That is just a load of crap. But she did make it that you know, an example of systemic systemic misogyny is when uh, uh, men catcall women. That's an example. And she said that happens to a lot of women. Um, I would say it happens to all women, and yeah, it's not good either. And the problem is, she's very anti-conservative. This is, and she admits this is the only thing that conservatives and I have in common. But most conservatives don't think that's good either. We don't believe in catcalling, but because there are individuals, she conflates the entire system to be being systemically misogynist by catcalling. So she lost me in the last chapter. But, you know, it's a good book. I did read it. So let's get to some news. And then I've already wasted nine minutes talking about that book. But I thought it was a good book. And I, I wanted to talk about it before I actually... I, if you go to my website, it's not there. I, I didn't even... I just made that up right now. So here's the thing. I'm really glad Joe Biden decided to take all those shots for the China virus. I don't know. What is he up to? Four shots? Uh, he's tested positive again on Saturday. Now, remember, he tested positive about a week and a half ago. And so he hid for seven days. And then he tested negative for four days straight. And then on Saturday, again, he tested positive. Now, they call that, you know, just basically a throwback, uh, a, a throwback COVID. In other words, he never really got rid of COVID. The other thing is a lot of the um, drugs he was taking probably suppressed the virus so the virus wasn't detectable. And it's also very possible a lot of uh, the positive test could be going on for about a month because he probably he might have a lot of dead virus in his system. He says he feels fine. He doesn't have any issues. He, he feels fine. But again, this is a good thing for the Democrats because it gets Joe Biden out of the picture. Okay, in more news, uh, Nancy Pelosi is supposed to go to Taiwan this week. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's going to be tomorrow, though it is not on her itinerary on her trip to uh, Asia. Um, China is doing some major uh, saber rattling, going to the point where they said they would shoot down her plane. Well, the United States apparently is supporting her because they've sent the USS Ronald Reagan and uh, a basically a uh, aircraft carrier group to Taiwan to protect Nancy Pelosi. And Nancy Pelosi's plane is being escorted by United States fighters. So it sounds like she's going to go, but a lot of people don't want her to go because they're afraid of China. This is a problem. She is now going to have to go. If she doesn't go, you might as well just write off Taiwan. They're done. They're, because the United States cannot show fear. And again, she 
the talk is she'll be there tomorrow if she hasn't already been there. We may not even know. But if she doesn't show up to Taiwan, it's going to show weakness. And you can bet probably in September when China is able to do a, when China is able to do a, 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 a beach run, they will do it. Now, China only has a certain amount of time to attack Taiwan because of monsoon season, all sorts of weird weather and current problems they have in the ocean. So it would be September, early October that they would attack if they're going to attack at all. Or they could just sit there and bomb the hell out of them. They don't need to worry about the weather when it comes to that. But this is something you can't show weakness here. The good news is the Biden administration looks like they're not showing weakness. I mean, they sent an aircraft carrier group out there, one of our newest and best nuclear-powered aircraft carriers and fight and uh, and battleships are out there right now. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, last week, there was a bill it, uh, called the Health Care for Veterans Act or some crap like that that put a ton of money into, well, basically it was a pork bill. Now, understand something. With the Inflation Reduction Act and this act, they're trying to sneak the Green New Deal in. Not one Republican voted for it. And then you've got people who are running around screaming that, oh, Republicans hate veterans. No, that's not it. It was a pork bill. What it essentially did was it took $400 billion of discretionary spending and made it into mandatory spending. And it didn't really talk about what it was going to do with that spending. That was wrong with the bill. Not one Republican supported it, including Mitt Romney. That's got to tell you something. As a matter of fact, the media is really going after Mitt Romney right now because he didn't support that. He actually said, this is a pork bill. We got to stop spending, which is what makes uh, what makes the uh, Inflation Reduction Act so crazy. Because the reduction inflation, uh, redu- uh, inflation Reduction Act spends 400 another 400 billion just on green stuff. It has nothing to do with inflation. Here's the secret. It's really simple. If you over if the government overspends, inflation goes up. And whenever a bill is put in into um pr- whenever a bill is put into law, that bill is going to last longer than the bill says it's going to last. So, for example, the Inflation Reduction Act says the bill will be paid off in three years. It will not be paid off in three years. It's going to go beyond three years. There's no, there's no question. The Congressional Budget Office, which is wrong about everything, also says the same thing. This is going to be a 10 to 20 year bill. It is not going to be a three year bill. So that's the whole kick. So the Democrats basically, hey, we got really high inflation, we got really high gas prices. Manchin was Manchin, Joe Manchin, who supported the Inflation Reduction Act, was tricked probably by the name because it's not going to lower inflation, it's going to raise inflation. And even the CBO says, yeah, this is not going to lower inflation, it's going to raise inflation. And, I mean, he said that, oh, what, they're going to spend money on oil and they're going to spend, this is what Manchin said and coal and things that his state really needs, the bill doesn't do that. And it's not going to do that. It's all a lie. So Manchin basically got screwed in this whole thing. And it's a tax and spend bill, this this Inflation Reduction Act. Um, the uh, Veterans Act, of course, is dead. 
That's not going anywhere. The Democrats are probably going to get it passed, but they're a little bit nervous. What the Democrats want to use is reconciliation, which means that this bill, if the CBO says, yeah, we approve it, and you can use reconciliation for the bill and the numbers all make sense, Okay, that doesn't mean it's going to stop inflation, but that's not what they. the money is allocated where it's going to be. Okay, that makes sense. The problem with the inflation, Manchin has been running all over the news outlets this weekend to try and push this act. The problem he has is that people aren't buying it. And when they hear him talk, he even came up with the lie that it was a bipartisan act. There's not one Republican, including Mitt Romney, that is voting for this thing. The thing that makes the Democrats nervous and will completely eliminate reconciliation is the Kirsten Cinema of the Democrat from Arizona. She refuses to take a stance on this bill until she reads it. And I got a feeling when she reads it, she may say no. And they kept her completely out of the negotiations, which makes no sense to me. I would have thought you would have put her in the negotiations just to get her to back it. But they never did that. Okay. So let's get to, my God, 17 minutes. I haven't gotten to my first story yet. Okay. So we're going to be living in a world where we are going to have one pandemic after another. And every pandemic is going to come every two years or so, you know, during every election. The new pandemic is going to be monkeypox. The problem everyone is going to have with monkeypox is not so much of a mystery as with the China virus. Uh, we already know how monkeypox is spread. We already know that it's not particularly a deadly disease. It's a very uncomfortable disease. And we already know that 90% who ha- 90% of the people who have monkeypox is spread through gay sex. We know this already. And that 97% of the people who get it are men, typically gay men. We also know that it doesn't kill anyone. There have only been five deaths throughout the world of people who have died from monkeypox. Now, in Africa, there are more, but Africa has no healthcare system whatsoever. But that's not going to stop our elites or the elitists from making this into a panic situation. New York and San Francisco uh, last week and this weekend have declared monkeypox a public emergency. Yep, New York and San Francisco. Heavily blue, a lot of gay people. They want you to forget the fact that no one has died of this in those places. I mean, zero have died in San Francisco and New York of monkeypox. And that it's only affecting the gay people in those cities. They want you to forget that. They don't want to talk about the segment of the population, gay men, could simply avoid spreading it by either having less sex with each other, which they're not, or actually absta- or being monogamous. Monogamous gay men are not catching this. Gay men who are having sex with 17 other guys at these things, these fetish festivals, that's where they're getting it from. They're getting it from bathhouses. That's where this whole thing started. They won't talk about that. I mean, I I find it ironic that these people had no problem locking us down, making kids wear masks, making kids stay at home from school, forcing everybody, but they can't sit there and tell men, hey, don't have sex with 18 other men. 
They can't say that. Okay? Just stop having butt sex with everybody. Well, San Francisco got a, got the memo, and uh, they don't care. So listen to this. This is from the Daily Wire. San Francisco will hold an annual sexual festival popular among gay men this weekend, even though the city declared a local health emergency over monkeypox, the monkeypox outbreak earlier this week. The, I didn't make this up. This is, this is an actual festival, and you can tell, yeah, there's not going to be a super spreader event in San Francisco this week, this last weekend. The Up Your Alley Leather Fetish Festival, commonly called Dore Alley, which means Up Your Alley, scheduled for Sunday, is expected to bring thousands of people to the city's Somo area, featuring kink demonstrations, dancing, and a shopping, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The annual event will be has been running since 1985, being canceled only once due to the COVID pandemic outbreak. Now, a question for you: Why would they shut it down during COVID, but not shut it down during monkeypox? When COVID, you're going to get it anyway, and we already knew that, and you're not going to die. But monkeypox actually is a very uncomfortable disease, and we know how it spreads. Well, they're not doing it. Some people who have attended the event in the past are having second thoughts this year due to the monkeypox outbreak in San Francisco. By the way, yeah, it's not much of an outbreak. The most recent data shows 257 confirmed cases in the city, and city leaders recently announced a public health emergency that will go into effect on August 1st. Now, I, I this is another thing. Uh, August 1st is today. The festival was yesterday. Why wouldn't they, why do they do that? Why do they declare public health emergencies in the future? If it's an emergency, isn't it an emergency now? And by the way, 257 people, there are like 4 million people in San Francisco. So where are they coming up with this is a public health emergency, 257 cases? That's like 0.5% of people actually catch monkeypox. Well, they're going to have a, they're going to have an outbreak. Continuing with the article, quote, the same population that's being most affected by the disease is the same population that attends these events. In other words, gay men. They can't even say it. The gay men are catching it. 29-year-old San Francisco resident David Harris said, I don't even want to be there this weekend. Harris, who identifies as bisexual, told the Chronicle that he is frustrated with the group organizing the event. Folsom Street, that's the group. Uh, for the apparent lack of concern around the disease. Quote, I've been scanning their posts. They have yet to say a single word, even mentioning the word monkeypox. It just feels utterly irresponsible, Harris said. Yeah, it is irresponsible, but that's the problem. It, it, this is considered a protected group, so you can't tell them not to do this. Here's the thing. This is going to be a super spreader event. There's no question. Monkeypox will be all over San Francisco by day after tomorrow. And then they will make it a major emergency. The federal government will have to come in, lock everything down. We'll need to wear masks again. Blah, blah, blah. No one's taking this thing seriously. No one. There are... I was listening to... But all they have to do... There are two ways we can get rid of monkeypox. Okay? Two ways. One, there is a vaccine. Now, the vaccine is not really around, it's not easily accessible, and that's because monkeypox is, uh, that's because we had gotten rid of smallpox 
So really, there wasn't a lot of people getting vaccinated for smallpox. And monkeypox is a version, is a much lighter version of smallpox. So, okay, make more vaccine and give vaccine to people who are susceptible to monkeypox. And the other thing is, stop having gay orgies. Is it really hard? Uh, Dave Rubin, who is gay, will never has said, I'm not going to get monkeypox. Why? He and his husband are monogamous. Neither has monkeypox. So he knows he's not going to get monkeypox. Stop having gay orgies. Oh, my gosh. So simple. Speaking of monkeypox and the bigots, last week, New York City Board of Health made a request to the World Health Organization. So, according to NDTV, quote, New York City asked the World Health Organization Tuesday to rename the monkeypox virus to avoid stigmatizing patients who might then hold off on seeking care. New York has seen more cases of the disease, which the WHO declared a global health emergency over the weekend, than any other city in the United States. And with 1,092 infections detected so far, again, 1,092, uh, New York has like 11 million people. So 1,000? Do the math. I don't even want to figure that out. It's, it's going to be 0.000. This disease is not going anywhere. You just have to curb certain behavior and you won't catch it. And that certain behavior is having butt sex with a man you don't know. That's essentially how you curb the behavior. Anyway, continuing. Quote, we have a growing concern for the potentially devastating and stigmatizing effects that the messaging around the, quote, monkeypox, end quote, virus can have on already vulnerable communities, end quote. New York City Public Health Commissioner Ashwin Vassan said in a letter to the WHO Chief Tedros, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, dated Tuesday. Um, the idiot continued, and, and in basically racist fashion, which no one points out, continue, quote, continuing to use the term monkeypox to describe the current outbreak may reignite the traumatic feelings of racism and stigma, particularly for black people and people of color, as well as members of the LGBTQIA plus communities. And it is possible that they may avoid engaging in vital health care services because of it. Maybe they should just invade, you know, um, avoid engaging in butt sex with strangers. That could do it too. But let's get to the crux about it. Um, black people get it. Let's get to the crux. Black people get this disease just like white people do. Okay? Through their behavior. This disease does not sit there and say, oh, we're going to attack this black person today. But to this guy... Calling anything with the word monkey in it means you're referring to black people. Which basically means means he's a racist. No one points that out. I mean, I would have thought there thought and said, hey, um, does anyone know that you just are saying that we can't call it monkeypox? Not because it was discovered in monkeys, but that you are actually saying you believe black people always identify as monkeys? When I heard about the disease. I didn't think about black people. I thought, who's having sex with a monkey? Next, there should be some worry in the uh, LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ carrot. There should be some worry in that community. Because that's who's getting it. 
They're the ones who are catching it. They're the ones who are spreading it. Why can't we sit there and say that? But the left has a problem actually saying that. Because not only do they think having butt sex with 20 people is not is not a stigma, they also think it's a good thing. That's why they push it. Anyway, the WHO said, yep, yeah, we're going to rename monkeypox eventually. We don't know when we're going to do it. We don't know what we're going to call it. So, okay, good for them. Okay, speaking of changing language, the Biden administration is doing this grift that we are not in a recession. They are actually telling everybody that, oh, well, I mean, this isn't a recession. We're not in a recession. Okay, whatever. Wikipedia, and and by the way, they're getting help. They're getting help from the media. They're getting help from the internet. They're getting help from everywhere. Wikipedia had over 40 edits to the term recession this weekend. Now, a recession is defined as... um, a, re- a recession is defined as two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. And again, I've said this. I mean, you could say we were in a recession before the second quarter of this year because the first quarter we had no growth whatsoever. So right now, technically, we've had three, um, we've had three quarters of no growth and two quarters of contracting growth. So you could say we've been in a recession for a while. But anyway, so Wikipedia has decided to edit the term recession, and they've had over 40 edits of the term. Um, I read it. It does, it gives like two paragraphs before they come down and said, usually it was too negative contracting growth of GDP. They do still say it. They never removed it, but they have two paragraphs of other crap that quite frankly doesn't make much sense. Um, by the way, I, I find it amazing. This is the same website that has difficulty actually defining woman. Here's the problem with definitions. Definitions are pretty exact. So, you know, they basically have no definition of this word recession by having lots of definitions of the word definition uh, of the word recession on their website. So by adding so many definitions, they've basically taken away the definition of the word recession. You don't know what it is. All right. And what's going to be really be weird is when we go through a third quarter of no GDP or contracting GDP growth, which is what we're going to have. Um, they're going to change the definition again. I mean, we're never going to be a def- we're never going to be in a recession as long as as. Uh, Joe Biden is in the White House. We're just never going to be in a recession. Doesn't matter. We're all starving. We've got food shortages. We got shortages of gas. We got none of that matters. We're never going to be in a recession. But the problem that Wikipedia had is that they really have a problem with definitions because definitions are pretty exact. There is a definition of something. Well, what did they do? Let's actually change the definition of definition. They did that this weekend. They, or last week, they act, there were people that actually changed the definition of definition. I guess last week's definition of definition needed to be redefined so that definition had the definition that woke like to define. See what I did? A Kamalaism. Now, I do that. I keep going. I could actually keep that going, but I'm out of breath, so I'm not going to. Uh, just like Kamala does. Um, but it's also got the media, go- media going with 
the democratic narrative of we're not in a recession and it doesn't matter if we're in a recession, which if they say we're not in a recession, but it really doesn't matter if we're in a recession, that tells me we're in a recession. Okay. Now here's Brian Stelter talking with Paul Krugman. Now Paul Krugman is a Nobel winning economist. I don't know why he's been wrong his entire career. I I actually read Paul Krugman's crap, and he is always wrong. I mean, he's wrong to the point that last week he had to write a New York Times article saying he was wrong about inflation, and he was wrong about inflation. Well, here he is on Brian Stelter, and this was an incredible interview. So I'm going to play a lot of it, even though I'm going to really go beyond my time. This was an incredible interview, because he he spent about a minute and a half talking about how he was wrong, why he was wrong, and this is the first part of it. Here I am, yes, I'm wrong, and this is why I'm wrong. Listen. recently asked you and a bunch of your colleagues to write a I was wrong article, something you were wrong about, and here's yours, Paul. I was wrong about inflation. So tell us yeah. about this, re- this reassessment and, and why you decided to do it. Well, I, well, but the Times thought that it would be good to have a feature in which people did talk about what they were wrong about, which I think is a good idea. And look, I, I'm a big believer. Uh, God knows I'm not infallible. Um, and I try to make a point of admitting when I was wrong. And you, you really want to do this. You know, there was an earlier episode back during the Obama years when a lot of people predicted runaway inflation under Obama. And um, when, uh, when uh, Bloomberg went back to ask you know, people who had wrongly predicted inflation, not one of them would admit having been wrong. And so that's an example of what you don't want to do. You want to say, look, uh, I got it wrong. Why did I get it wrong? Uh, what, what have I learned from the experience? Right. So why were you wrong about inflation? And what, what do we need to know now about it? Um, what appears to be the case, I mean, some of it is stuff that Clearly, no economist could have forecast. I didn't know that Vladimir Putin was going to invade Ukraine. And that's a significant part of what's going on. Things, you know, external events. But partly, it does appear that the U.S. economy uh, is, A, has somewhat smaller productive capacity than we thought. Uh, They're just, uh, we don't appear to be, by normal measures, you know, way overheated, but (laughs) <laughs> if we are, in fact, it looks like it looks like there, there were you know, workers dropped out of the workforce. Some other things may have happened that reduced economic capacity. And the other is that inflation appears to have been more sensitive to an overheated economy than past experience would have led us to believe. So, um, you know, there were there were some reasons why I was. It, it didn't wasn't just you know complacency. Uh, there were some reasons why I didn't think inflation was going to be a problem, and it turns out I was wrong. Um, it's a complicated world out there, and if you never make a wrong prediction, you're not taking enough risks. Okay, first off, this is a stupid question by Brian Stelter, which doesn't shock me because he's a stupid person. Um, he was wrong because he was wrong, and I, I do want to point out. Then he comes up with excuses while it was wrong. Well, you know, the war in Ukraine. Um, the uh, chain, supply chain problem. Hello? We knew that was happening. The, we had inflation way before the war with Ukraine. Don't forget, inflation, which is supposed to be between 1.5% and 2%, was at 6% six months before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. So you were wrong about inflation way before that. 
And also the supply chain crisis, people were bitching about it before. This is insane to sit there and say, well, I didn't know we were going to have a supply chain. What? We knew when Biden took White House, the White House we were, there was going to be a supply chain problem. There was a supply chain problem during the pandemic. How did he not know that stuff was going to happen? He's just following the president's lines. That's it. And by the way, just a reminder, this guy hasn't been right about anything when it comes to economics. I have no idea how Thomas Sowell didn't win a Nobel Prize, but this idiot did. This guy, and, and just to give you clarity, this guy has never admitted he's been wrong. He's been wrong about everything. And he's never admitted, and, and in fact, he's excoriated people online and through his writing who don't agree with his views. He's a terrible person. Here's the thing. And, and the president of the United States is going to have to do this eventually. Because inflation, not going away. Gas prices, I know, he keeps screaming, gas prices, gas prices went down again. They went, they've gone down a good 65 cents in California. But here's the problem. They're still over double what they were when he took office. So no one is looking at $5.35 in gas in California and saying, yeah, that, and that's just the station I, I go to. One down the street, it's still $6. No one is looking at the gas crisis and saying, yeah, things are getting a lot better. They're not. Everyone's saying, yeah, but it used to be 270 in California. Now it's five something. 540, which is double what it was. So no one's doing this. This is not going to work. But the president eventually is going to have to, if he's going to maintain any credibility, he's going to have to admit that he screwed up that he made a mistake. Is he going to do that? I doubt it. But that's probably why Democrats are going to get murdered in um, November. Okay, in this next clip, I know I'm way over, but I wanted to get through this because this is, this is, pretty, this is pretty insane here. Uh, in this ne next clip, how does he solve or how does he deal with the problem of being wrong? Um, he gets it wrong again. In basically the next statement, he gets it wrong. Here he is talking about the recession and whether it's actually important and devastating. Listen. Can we dispense with the recession debate real quick? Are we in a recession and does the term matter? <laughs> uh, no, we aren't and no, it doesn't. I mean, the... Uh... <laughs> One sentence, that was it, huh? That was it. It's, it's uh, uh, none of the usual criteria that real experts use says that we're in a recession right now. And what does matter? What you know, the state of the economy is what it is. Uh, jobs are abundant, although maybe the job market is weakening. Inflation is high, though maybe inflation is coming down. What does it matter whether you use the R word or not? Certainly the White House was, was trying to encourage reporters to, uh, to use the technical definition, but certainly uh, many are using a broader definition. So this is going to go on for a while, and I feel like everybody's playing their roles the way you would expect them to play their roles. Uh, what should I the media... Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that there, this is especially vitriolic. I mean, I, uh, I get, you know, I, I've been in this business for a couple of decades and get lots of hate mail and see stuff. I've never seen anything as bad as this. The, uh, the determination of a lot of people to say it's a recession is above and beyond anything I've ever seen. Hmm. What do you think is driving that? Just partisanship and polarization oh. getting worse and worse every year and thus this? 
Yeah, it's partisanship. People want it. It's, it's the Biden recession. They, they want their Biden recession. They're going to have it, never mind the fact that, uh, you know, that it in fact is not a recession in any technical sense. Is it fair to say this is the weirdest economy we've ever lived through? This guy is such an a-hole. Okay, a couple of things to point out that I think Stelter and him admitted. One, this is based on partisanship. Okay, people are going to say what they're going to He was referring to Fox News, by the way. And he actually did say it once or twice in the interview. He was talking about Fox News. Well, Fox News is calling this a recession. Well, yeah, you, you can point to Fox News, but CNN's not calling it a recession. CNN says this isn't a recession. So, yes, I, I, I can buy that. But one thing that Krugman said that was really interesting, he said, yeah, we're going to look at a weakened job market. Um, yeah, that's what I told you. The reset, a, a weak job market does not cause a reception. A recession. A weak job market is caused by a recession. So he's openly admitting right now that we're probably going to have a weakened job market. That means, dickhead, we are in a recession. So, I I mean, just the idiocy of this freaking guy. And the one reason that Krugman face, uh, faces uh, vitriol is he's vitriolic. He tell he calls people an idiot constantly. He does it on Twitter. He does it in his he does it in his articles that he writes. I read Paul Krugman on the New York Times. I know what the guy says. I read he, I read him every time he publishes something because what he says is so out there that I I, I want to understand what these people are talking about. And by the way, it is Biden's inflation. Sorry, we didn't have this inflation with, under Trump. This inflation started like three months after Biden cut the Keystone Pipeline and took office. And don't forget that Keystone Pipeline, yeah, that was kind of a cause of inflation. That $1.5 trillion bill he passed, that was that did cause inflation. The infrastructure bill he passed, that did cause in inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act is going to cause inflation. It's not going away. That's why they're going to have to admit we made a mistake somewhere. They won't. But they're, they're going to have to if they want any type of credibility. Okay, I do actually have a part where he destroys the right. I, he knew this, this had to come. This had to come. Uh, I don't know if this is a deflect. I, this is a stupid question and really doesn't belong in this interview about the economy and everything else. But Brian Stelter is an idiot, so he he decides to bring this up, and I'm sure this was at the this was at the end of the interview where they're they're trying to get away from the economy and start ripping on conservatives, and that's what they do, and they try to justify leftism. So listen to this; it's it's pretty incredible about the dystopian myths of Red America, basically describing how. Let's take the average Fox News viewer uh, is is t what they're told about blue states and about big cities. What are those dystopian yeah. myths? What do people need to know about that? Well, first of all, there's the specific issue of the whole Black Lives Matter uh, 
the demonstrations, which a large part of the country, certainly a lot of the mail I get, people think that you know lots of Manhattan was burned to the ground. They think that this was an enormously destructive thing, when in fact, yes, there was some arson and looting, but actually really not very much in, in a country the size of the United States and for demonstrations that size. So they think and that, Can I just can know, I clarify, that, Paul? That's because whenever we're talking about the January 6th hearings, the likes of Sean Hannity always say, well, why aren't you investigating the summer of 2020 riots? That's what they say basically every day. Yeah, and, you, and you're you're in Manhattan, right? I mean, you you know that there 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 it is not a burned out shell. It just this just never happened. But they're told. No, that I mean, it did. My, look, my, there were windows shattered in my building, and it was awful. And we cleaned it up the next day, and that's what people do. So yeah. I digress. Go ahead. Yeah, and the other is about crime. Now we have, in fact, had a, a significant surge in murders since the pandemic, uh, probably because you know social isolation and all of that, which has been nationwide. And as broad, it's it's about as much increase in rural areas and small towns as it is in big cities. Um, but the idea, and it, it varies a lot among cities, but New York, of course, is everybody's favorite. And a lot of the country thinks that New York is an extremely dangerous place, uh, which it once was. A lot of people think that it, that New York now is New York of 1975 with, uh, with large uh, no-go areas and high murder rates, when in fact it's one of the safest places in America, even even after this rise in crime. It's still uh, way, way less crime than there was uh, in, in 1990. So that's another area where media coverage matters so much. This was an amazing statement that this guy is making. First off, Brian Stelter used the word dystopian twice. What are the dystopian views of America that red states are having or conservatives are having or Fox News is having? Uh, incredible. Just unknowing what is happening in the real world. To have no idea how bad it is out there. Oh, oh well, New York's not a shell. Um, New York might not. Minneapolis is. Seattle was. Uh, Portland was. Los Angeles is. I mean, they are cities are falling apart. Do you know how I know? Get out of your limousine and go walk around these cities. I guarantee you, Paul... Krugman and Brian Stelter do not take the subway. I guarantee you, they do. I definitely know Brian Stelter doesn't because he fat his whole sin. Don't walk through the city. I guarantee you, when these guys do, they have armed security. I mean, what a just blind way to look at the country right now. You know, it's not maybe it's not Republicans and conservatives that have a dystopian view of the cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Washington DC, Baltimore. Maybe it's not us that have a dystopian view. Maybe we are looking at dystopian policies that are destroying those specific cities. And maybe if you got out, got out, out of your ivory tower and walked around and actually experienced some of this stuff, you'd see it. Maybe if you weren't worth 10, 15, 20 million dollars, you would be affected by inflation and $6 gas prices. And by the way, they're in New York. 
prices of gas are, are, are over $6 in New York. They're $7 in Los Angeles. Just, it, it was an incredible article. It was an incredible interview. And, and by the way, he spent the first part of the interview saying how he was wrong. And then he spent the rest of the interview sitting back and being wrong again. Oh, yeah, hey, New York, the, the BLM riots weren't that bad. I mean, my God, you guys were in front of a burning building saying the riots were mostly peaceful. Things are burning, but it's mostly peaceful. That guy, by the way, just won a Pulitzer this week. This weekend, the idiot standing in front of a burning building saying that it's fiery but mostly peaceful won a Pulitzer Prize this weekend. So do you wonder why I really don't give a damn that Paul Krugman won a freaking Nobel Prize? Do you think I care about someone winning a prize? Nicole Hannah-Jones won a Pulitzer Prize. She's an idiot. Her entire... The document that she won her Pulitzer was freaking wrong. To the point that historians wrote a letter saying, hey, uh, this is all wrong. She still won a Pulitzer Prize. Incredible. Oh, I was on fire today. 49 minutes. Oh my gosh. 49 minutes. You know what? Let's make it an even hour. I have one more story. I was going to save this till, t till tomorrow, but screw it. I'm way up there. I might as well just go for it and finish today off. And I feel like talking. So according to Daily Wire, a Baltimore family just filed a $25 million lawsuit against Sesame Place, a theme park in Pennsylvania. It's, just, it's in Philadelphia, actually. So right off the bat, um, a lot of black people in Philadelphia uh, claiming their daughter were targets of racial discrimination, of course, after being ignored by characters in costume. The filing comes not long after a video of a Sesame Street Place employee dressed as Rosita, which is a Sesame Street character, seemingly ignoring two black girls during a parade that went viral online, sparking nationwide outrage and accusations of racism. Of course, social media was flooded with examples of similar incidents and allegedly took place at the music amusement park which only helped fuel the fury. Now, I, I did see I did see the video. And by the way, those costumes, in Philadelphia right now, it's like 90 degrees with 200% humidity. It's miserable over there. And you're in this furry costume and you can't see. And it looked like the character just couldn't see him. I mean, didn't see him. And you see a point. In the video, you see... While the character is walking, I'm sure you've seen this video. It did go viral. Uh, the character was waving no. And it wasn't waving no to the little girls. The character was waving no to uh, the person who wanted them to hold the baby. And you got to remember in these parades, there's a time limit. They got to move. So it looks like the character is looking down. But it also looks like the character is looking at where he or she, whoever is in there, is just looking down to make sure they're not going to fall. These costumes are... This is what the left is going to do. The left is going to make it that, okay, we're just not going to do this anymore. 
The left loves taking away fun. Anyway, I, I'm sorry, I've been ignored at these parades. People have been ignored at these parades. Not everyone can get acknowledged at these parades. And I tell you, we could have the same number of videos where the characters ignored the white people. Because the characters are told, move. Yeah, well, these guys are, I, I was going to read another two, uh, another two freaking paragraph. I'm not going to because I don't want to mention the lawyer's name and stuff because he's an idiot. But this is all, uh, this is all about, this is all about take away everything, destroy everything. That's what they're doing. Now, the amusement park apologized like eight times. Why they apologize, I don't know. You're not going to win. Don't apologize. And this 20... Five million dollar thing that they're they're trying to sue for. It's to get a settlement. They're going to get a settlement for twenty five thousand, thirty thousand. That's what's going to happen. Now they are trying to create a, a class action lawsuit because class action makes class action lawsuits makes lawyers rich. That's why this is spreading all through. This is why this is excuse me. This is why this is spreading all through social media. They're trying to get a class action lawsuit. You know, I'm sorry. If I were the lawyer for Sesame Place, and I know I'm not, and I know they're not going to do this, I would say uh, I would make the jury wear the freaking mask and then walk. That would be the first thing I'd say. Okay, I want you to put this down, and I want you to read everything. I want you to read the letters as you walk, and you can't stop walking. Every juror is not going to be able to catch everything because you can't see in those masks. It doesn't matter. Everything's racist. Okay, um, I'm going to release a video today. Uh, if you want to, go visit uh, rumble.com and type in dumbasses talking politics. AOC made a freaking ass out of herself again. So I, I, I... And the left doesn't understand how how left they are. They don't understand how extreme, how radical they are. They keep calling people like me extreme and radical. But she decided to do a, a a showing at RuPaul's Drag Race and calling all these stoned drag people freaking patriots. That they are what patriots are. I, it's just absolutely incredible. So I, I had to release. I, I have to release that, and I'm going to. Um, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can take a look at uh, my show notes. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.